Good morning. Blessings to you all. It's good to be with you again and uh, been encouraged by our Sunday school lesson. Thank you, Leonard, for teaching. It's, it's been a while since I've been in one of your classes. It was a very well taught lesson. A very uh, real lesson to think about and talk about. And I'm sure we all could uh, apply that many things to our lives. I'm going to build upon our Sunday school lesson and uh, just held out that way. A lot of times the Lord arranges services that way and Ray talked about overcoming, being overcomers and I've titled the message, uh, I have two titles, you can pick which one you like the best. Number one is overcoming the devil or number two is uh, a battle battleground or a playground or a battlefield is this world in your mind a playground or in your mind is it a battle battleground battlefield we're going through hunting season <clears throat> I'm guessing some of you many of you possibly spent some time in the woods had the privilege of uh, hunting with uh, my son Bradley and uh, on Saturday, privilege of harvesting a buck and uh, a good experience. But I want to share that as I was sitting in the woods, uh, I want to use that picture as an illustration for our Christian lives. Uh, every year the deer have to Endure, go through hunting season where they're surrounded by hunters. And uh, the big buck have spent several seasons, maybe endured a couple shots. This year on the camera, we saw one that has been wounded. And, uh, and each year they get smarter and smarter and harder and harder to get because they've been around. Most hunters will give them a warning when they sight in their guns, they hear the shots. If I was a deer in the woods, I'd know to get out into the thick and find a place of safety. I believe that's a picture that describes our Christian lives as well. And I would like to say that we're living in a, in a battle times where the uh, battle is very real, and, and uh, yet uh, we have protection. The other part of the hunting season is uh, we, we buy a license, and everyone is required to wear fluorescent orange, and I appreciate that law very much. When you go into the woods, first I was walking in, and I saw fluorescent orange, and I was like, ah. Uh, you don't like to see a lot of fluorescent orange around where you're at. Sometimes that'll work, but, but I appreciate it because you can see the fluorescent orange from far away. And, and uh, it's, it's a, a very much a, a safety. You're foolish to go into the woods without your fluorescent orange. Very foolish. And likewise, in, in our spiritual lives, you're very foolish. Those texts we're going to look at 
There's an urgent plea from Paul to put on your fluorescent armor. Put on the whole armor. Put it on. Take the initiative to put it on. It doesn't fall from heaven, but every one of us must first of all understand the battle and then the provisions that we have. It's not fluorescent orange. It's, it's the whole armor of God. And we're told to put it on and to, to uh, experience that. So the picture I like with that is we are surrounded with enemies. We're going to look at the battle. It says that uh, in Ephesians that uh, our, we're not wrestling against uh, flesh and blood, against someone that's just a little bigger than us. We're not wrestling against human enemies, but we're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places. We're wrestling against principalities and powers, spiritual rulers of darkness of this world. So therefore, because of this, it says in Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God. The other story I want to share that uh, happened to me, in, in Shenandoah they have uh, the, the school, the public school has a football team and their mascot is the Blue Devils. So if you live in Shenandoah, you'll see and know about the Blue Devils. What they do, every football player that enters the football team, they go through the town and in front of your house, either on your sidewalk or the street, they'll paint uh, a demon. That may take you back a bit, but yeah, that's, you know, I, I've talked to several people. My neighbor had a son in the football team, and I said, yeah, I'm going to really struggle with a demon in front of our house. But uh, he said it's just a mascot. And so one Sunday morning, I was preaching at church, and I went home after a service like this, went home, and I discovered they went through on a Sunday morning to paint the demons, and they came by my neighbor's house, and they got the wrong house and put it in front of our house. So I, I was praying and asking the Lord, how do I respond to this? How, I don't know how you would respond to that. I was not too excited about coming out of my house every morning. Thankfully, they didn't put it on the sidewalk. I, I just am thankful that it wasn't on the sidewalk. It was on the street. Sometimes they do the sidewalk, and sometimes it's on the street. They did it on the street, but it, they got the wrong house. I guess they, they thought it was all one. So I took some time, prayed about it, and I I responded like this. I, I decided that every time that we or I come out of my house and I see that devil, I'm going to be that demon. I'm going to be reminded of the battle. Ephesians 6 tells us very clearly that it is real. I'm not going to be intimidated by a demon painted on the street. I'm a child of God and I can put on my whole armor. And every time I see that, I will be reminded to pray against the forces of evil. So thank you, devil, for a reminder to pray every time I see that. And I want to, this morning in the message, just give you all a reminder from the word of God. The battle, but there's, there's a lot of encouraging scriptures here that you and I can be pictured as deer running through the woods, fully armed, no hunter can get to them. That would be a pretty nice 
form of protection for the deer this time of year. If you shoot them and the bullets just fly away and you can't get to them, that's who we can be as Christians. And we can have the whole armor of God. We can put it on and we can overcome uh, the devil. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6 for the text this morning. Verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, because of this, back up, Look at the battle and understand the battle, and because of this, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Twice, in verse 11 and in verse 13, Paul, the writer of Ephesians, says, put on, put on the whole armor of God. Take the initiative to be armed and... Uh, have on the armor. Both offensive and defensive weapons are given to us, protection and offensive weapons. We're not going to take have enough of time to go through all of them, so I'm, I'm doing a series, and I'm going to look at uh, two of them this morning, just the, uh, the belt of truth and the shield of faith. I believe they go together, and then the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and then the sword of the Spirit and your feet shod. We don't use that word too much, your feet shod. But your feet ready. Your feet are, wherever you go, your feet are ready. They're shod. Or they're ready to preach the gospel and share the gospel. That's part of the army. And, uh, and then, of course, the... Uh, I think I have them all there, but that's, that's just a breakdown of, of the armor. The devil, standing in the evil day, it, it says that we are facing a, an enemy and we're to put it on so that we can stand in the evil day. And I think what we looked at in our Sunday school lesson, our discussions in our Sunday school class bring to light that there are seasons of your life or times in your life where it's somewhat of an evil day or a real strong temptation comes. And that's what he's saying here. We're to be ready and well prepared so that we can stand in the evil day or the times of testing that are different for every one of us. Satan knows, we saw how he came with his temptations with Jesus and he he had a plan. You look through that plan and see the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And he understands where we are weak, and he comes in uh, very tactful ways. He wants a place in our life, and so it is our duty to do all we can to stand. And, of course, the, the memory selection that we shared Brother shared that, uh, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There's no temptation taken you, which is 
except that which is common to man. But God makes a way of escape. And so we have everything within our resources. Everything is given to us to stand. But I want to emphasize again, it doesn't fall from heaven. All of us need to rise up and we need to take initiative. It needs to be a driving passion of our life. None of us would go into the woods if we knew that there's bullets flying everywhere aimed at us. I think we think twice about going out into the woods knowing that was our experience. We'd be ducking behind trees and I'd really have a different strategy. But in our spiritual battles, I think we have that experience where there's fiery darts that Satan likes to fire fiery darts. And he has lies that uh, he presents in many different ways the battle comes to us. So we have to do all to stand. Make sure that we're uh, well prepared to face the enemy. Standing in the evil day and having done all to stand. So the question I have for all of you, are you, how are you doing in the battle? And does this uh, can you identify with the battle? I certainly hope you can. And I hope you understand the, the, the armor that uh, we're going to look at here that, that we can put on. The whole armor, it, it's uh, referred to as the whole armor. So we need to put on the whole armor of God, the, the whole protection and there's only one place that uh, there is no protection given for our back. Well, there's a helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, sword of the spirit, and uh, the belt of truth, shield of faith. All of those are protection, but there's no protection for, the, for your back. And the reason there's no protection for your back is because we're not to turn our back on the devil. We're to go forward. We're to step into the battle knowing who you are and knowing that, that there's protection, knowing that when Jesus went to the cross, he defeated the devil and all the realm of satanic influence and satanic uh, organized ranks of, of uh, Satan's kingdom has been defeated. So that's the important part we all must have grounded in our, in our faith and in our experience, knowing everything has been, the victory has been won at the cross. And when we come and experience Christ at the cross, all of our battles can be won right there as well. We can go into the battle, not turn our back on, on the devil. And... Just another thought, it was brought out in our Sunday school lesson that Satan came at Jesus and said, if you really are the son of God, I believe that's so real in my life and I believe it's so real in your life. Satan comes and he likes to question your position in Christ. That's the first thing that I think you have to get grounded and continue to uh, drive that stake deep in your experience John 1.12 is, is a scripture that is so foundational that it, it says that as many as believed in him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God or the authority. So 
As many as believe in Christ, he gives the authority, he gives the power to become the sons of God, and you need to reach out, and you need to claim that, you need to live in that, you need to drive that stake deep, because Satan likes to come and pry around at that foundational, powerful truth, who you are in Christ, is one of the first things that, uh, uh, that goes more along the line with the helmet of salvation, but these are all woven together. So Paul was in prison when he wrote this under constant guard, and he was forced to stare at the soldier's armor day in and day, day out. He had an ideal picture of the armor, and he writes this book to give us a picture of, of the armor. And he says, put it on, the whole armor of God. So I want to start with the belt of truth. Verse 14, it says, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. The belt was what held the, the soldier's clothing next to his body. The belt holds things together, and I believe that's... Uh, One of the most important ones to start with is to have truth. The Word of God, as was mentioned, is truth. And we need to know the truth because we're going to face the father of lies. I brought this Bible along. And uh, as you can see, there's all kinds of color-coded tabs in this Bible. This one is very precious to me. It's a memory. A friend of mine from Shenandoah, Steve Endick, I gave him this Bible, and he took the time to go through every book of the Bible and to put color-coded tabs and so he could find the books of the Bible easy when he's in church. And I believe uh, there's many people that are searching for truth. And when I look at this and I share this, I, I have a good story to tell, and I, I'm thankful to say that Steve Endick, that was in 2015, he was working for me at the farm. He's a carpenter. He did some work for me, and one night, the first time we came to church together was here at Marystown in a revival meeting. Him and I came in together, and, and uh, Dwayne Weber was the evangelist that year. And I don't know if any of you would remember this sermon, but I just talked to Steve this week, and he still remembers that sermon. It was entitled, The It's in Your Life, where Dwayne was preaching about Paul's thorn in the flesh, and he came to the Lord and sought the Lord that it would go away. And the it's in your life. And, and he still remembers that sermon. And this is the Bible that he, he had. And a long story, Steve lives now in Tennessee. And a good friend of mine, he was baptized two weeks ago. And he's connecting with a church down in Tennessee. And, and I look at this and I say, this had something to do with it. I think this had something to do with it where he began to, to search for truth. He began to apply himself. He took some time 
when he could, could have been doing other things to, uh, to mark his Bible and get into his Bible. And I believe you can tell a lot when you look at a person's Bible. Sometimes when you preach at a funeral, you, you take their Bible and, and you can see their, their love for the Word. The, the writings, I don't know if you write in your Bible or not, but uh, I do. I have several Bibles, but I like to write, and, and, and uh, there's, there's many people searching for truth. There's another story of a man named Luther that uh, I met in, in Shenandoah in our years being there, but we had some conversation, and he went to work. He was working at a, at a warehouse. And after he unloaded the truck, the driver of the truck, praise the Lord, I would love to meet this driver of the truck, came up to Luther, and he said, here's a Bible, read it. How many of you would be willing to do that? Here's a Bible, read it. And he took that Bible, took him back a little bit, like, is this God or not? And sometime later... I don't know how much time went by, and another truck driver that was totally unrelated came to uh, the dock, and Luther unloaded him, and he came, and he said to Luther, here's a Bible, read it. And he took that Bible, and he started reading it. I met him sometime later, and, and he had found the Lord. And I shared this because there's a, a search for truth. Many people have no time for the Bible. They have no hunger for the Word of God. But when you see a person hungry for the Bible and hungry for truth, and they take the Bible, they start opening it up, and they begin to search for truth. That's the belt of truth that Paul is talking about here that will be uh, a form of protection for you. So I just want to encourage all of you in your uh, search for truth. There's many questions in life, many hardships. I enjoy, our family has uh, WhatsApp, and the men in our family, we have a men's group, and sometimes we'll post questions, we'll all start commenting on it, just, just uh, a search for truth. What is truth in current issues of the day? It is, it is such a blessing. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Of course, John 14. And the Spirit in John 16, 13 says, uh, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the author of the Bible. The Word of God that we have is inspired which means it's God-breathed. The inspiration of the Word of God. So we have the Holy Spirit guiding us in all truth. He, he's the author of the Bible. So when we're reading the Word of God, and we have the Holy Spirit inside, there's this, there's this connection. And we ought to have this experience at times where, where this, this connection is really coming alive in our hearts. And we, we have truth. It's the Holy Spirit guiding us in all truth. Of course, we know the father of lies, Satan, comes. He's the 
father of lies. He's a liar and the father of it, it says in John 8. But uh, Jesus is referred to as the truth, and when you know the truth, you'll be set free. So truth is a very important part of the armor. I believe we would all say that, yes, we want truth. We want to dig deep into the Bible and the Word of God and find truth. And many times the truth, someone said it this way, the truth will make you mad first. Or the truth will cut like a knife first. It's not always... uh, pleasant to read truth and to discover truth because it it does go against sometimes things in our lives where we find and discover uh, things in our lives or false belief systems or whatever it is where truth breaks through the the strongholds of the devil. But it does set you free. It does bring freedom into a Christian's life and it gives an amazing amount of protection. Satan has the power to blind people's minds. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, Satan's also the father of lies and he also blinds people. He has a blinding power that those that uh, deny God or are not seeking God, he, he has a blinding power and many people are blinded. It says that uh, in Romans that this is a great mystery, that uh, blindness came upon Israel. A national blindness came upon them because of their unbelief. And that's a great mystery. We're not going into that subject, but it, Paul says in Romans chapter 11 that I don't want you to be ignorant or untaught about this, that God brought a blinding. I believe God brought that, allowed that to happen. But Satan also has the power to blind people's minds. Lest the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So, if everyone would understand the glorious gospel, we would all be saved. The whole world. If everyone would understand the the glories of heaven, what God hath prepared, the Bible says, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the hearts of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. If everyone could see and everyone could understand and every mind could be opened up to understand God and the glorious gospel and what God has prepared, everyone would be saved. It's so wonderful and glorious. So why do people fall back into worldliness and sin and Whatever it is, it's because of the devil having the power to blind people. There's also a deceitfulness of sin, it says in Hebrews. Uh, There's a deceitfulness. Sometimes we think the pleasures of sin, which are for a season, are worth the consequences, and we're deceived. You ever fall into that temptation where you you have a little pleasurable sin, moment of sin or whatever it is that Satan throws before you and then your, uh, the consequences are certainly not worth it and Satan builds 
strongholds in the mind as well, belief systems that are not according to truth and lies that people believe that are not according to uh, the Bible and not according to truth. And so when a stronghold is developed and a belief system, people live out of that belief system. But the truth and the power of the word can break down strongholds and break down the, the tactics of the devil. That's the power of the truth. And I believe every Christian can be known and identified as a truthful person. That's the, the beautiful part of a Christian's life is that we learn to speak the truth and we're, we're open and transparent and we can be known as those that speak the truth and we don't swear under oath, we don't swear, but our yea is yea and our nay is nay and, and we have this, this openness about us, Christians, can learn to, to speak the truth and live a life of truth. And Psalm 51.6 says that God desires truth in, in the inward parts, inside. God desires truth where we're truthful. Second part of the armor is the shield of faith. And it says... In the King James, it says, and above all. And I'm not sure if, if that means this is possibly the most important one. Above all, taking the shield of faith, whereby you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Faith is how we're, we're brought into the family of God through faith. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have access into uh, uh, the kingdom of God through faith. But it is also, it, it brings us into, an, into the relationship with God, it connects us with God, but it also gives us a form of protection. It's referred to as a shield of faith. And I like to picture being the deer in the woods having this, just ducking all the bullets that come. I believe that's a, a picture of what faith is like, a shield of faith. It uh, quenches all the fiery darts of the devil when they, they cannot get to you. When you know who you are and you have a strong faith grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ and you know that the blood of Jesus washes away your sins and you know that our sins can be forgiven. You know that Satan has been defeated. You know all of these things by faith. We have not uh, sight. We, we know and believe it by faith. The fairy darts vary, and I believe we could use a lot of illustrations here of what these fairy darts uh, can be. One of them can be the accuser of the brethren. When he lies about us, and he's referred to in Revelation as an accuser of the brethren. He loves to just come and, and accuse and pry around at a, at a Christian's experience, a Christian's calling, a Christian's uh, connection with God, or whatever, whatever it is. He's accuser of the brethren. And it says there the, the, uh, in Revelation, the accuser of the brethren is cast down. He accuses and 
just those accusations sometimes can feel like a fiery dart if we do not have the, the shield of faith. Discouragement, condemnation, feelings of condemnation, worthlessness. Uh, many have uh, never felt love, never had someone to walk alongside of them, or never had a picture, a true picture of what love really is like. And sometimes those can be referred to as, as darts of, of the devil, fiery darts of the devil. I like the, the story of Abraham for a picture of, of true faith. Abraham test, uh, God tested Abraham in his life, and, and in Genesis chapter 12, God came to Abraham and said, I'll make you a father of a great nation. You're going to uh, be given a great land. You're going to be given a great name. And God came to him with a lot of promises, and you can only imagine Abraham stood back and, and just in awe of what God had promised him. And then he withheld children for 25 years, I believe it was. And Abraham walked through that journey of faith, trusting God. He learned to claim the promise of God when all odds were against him, when it, it made no sense. And he got to the age, and Abraham and Sarah got to the age where they were past childbearing age, and God kept coming back to him time and time again, you're going to be a father of a great nation. And Abraham responds, I need children. You're going to be the father of a great nation. And God kept promising him that. So he learned to persevere through faith. And he's in the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. I love the story of Abraham as a picture of, of faith. And it tells us in Romans 4 that Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. He learned to come back and claim the promises of God and say, yes, God said it. It will come to pass. And it did. We know the story. God did bless Abraham and Sarah with, with a promised son, Isaac. And then after the promised son was born, God tested him again, probably the greatest test of all where Abraham heard the voice of God again saying, take your son Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice. Not even a godly thing to do, not even a, a uh, practice that was something they would consider, and Abraham obeyed. And God delivered Isaac there when Abraham had fully surrendered himself to carrying out God's will. God said, now I know that you love me. Now I know that you believe in me. That's a true faith. It's not just a belief or a theology about God, but it's an actual living, working faith. And that's what Paul is saying here. The shield of faith is what we need to put on. <clears throat> We are saved by faith, we walk by faith, and we live by faith, not by sight. So we must have this faith. One day, for all of us, our faith will become sight. 
And one day, the Bible says that we'll see Jesus Christ and our faith will become sight and we'll actually see the promises of God and we'll see Jesus Christ himself. We'll see the fulfillment of God. We'll see if you're faithful to God. We'll see the new heavens and the new earth. We'll see sight. We'll actually see it one day. But today, we live by faith and we walk by faith. But praise the Lord, someday our faith will become sight. In Hebrews 4, verse 2, it says that the gospel was preached as well unto them as us, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the gospel was preached, but it didn't profit them because it was not mixed with faith. The word of God needs to be mixed with faith. And so when they heard the word of God, the words just fell to the ground and did not profit them because it was not received in faith or wasn't mixed in with faith. So when you hear God speaking, and when you hear the word of God, and the word of God comes to you, you need to stand up and you need to receive the word with faith. You need to also speak the word with faith. And the spoken word of God, as we heard, is, is powerful. Sending back the devil, it's a spoken word, the rhema of God. So maybe the Lord has spoken to someone here this morning, and I want to encourage you to receive it in faith. Stand up in faith. Stand up and receive the word of God and say, yes, God, that was for me. Yes, God, I may need to get into the word. I may need to be searching for truth a little bit more. Maybe my Bible is dusty, and I have no desire or hunger for God. Maybe you fall into a fairy dart of the devil and maybe you need to get up and claim God again in your life. Wherever you're at, let God speak to your heart. And As Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. Put it on. Stand up. Put it on. It's something you grow in. It's not a once and done experience like going into the woods and one day, you come back and put it off. No, every day you're continually putting it on more and more, deepening your relationship with God. God gives us all the protection we need. Everything has been given, and that's the encouragement I want to leave with everyone. We have everything we need to be faithful. There's not one of us that can stand before God and say, I didn't have everything. God, this happened to me or that happened to me. We have everything we need and we have the armor. We have to put it on. We have to take the initiative to stand in the evil days. So Lord bless you as you live your life for God. We're, we're in evil days. There's a lot of darkness around us, but the light shines bright in darkness. And so let's stand up. Let's be genuine and real in our walk with God. And let's
Let's be effective soldiers for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this picture in, in the Bible of the armor that we are called to put on. I pray for the church at Myerstown this morning. I pray for each individual. I pray that you would uh, speak to us individually. I know that you can do that. Everyone, all at the same time, can hear from you, possibly different things. Speak to us clearly. Deepen our faith. And I pray that you would give us all a, a hunger and a desire for truth and to claim truth and to, to live and walk in it. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a song.